I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Today, we will be talking about Toy Story 4. Uh, on this episode, we actually have a guest. He's been on the show many times. It is Daniel Romero. Hey, what's up, guys? Now, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysCriticPod. Now, let's go ahead and jump right in to the review for Toy Story 4. It just came out this past weekend. It came in first place in the box office to no one's surprise. Uh <laughs> 118 million, which was actually a little bit less than what they were anticipating. Disney was thinking it would make somewhere between 140 and 160, so it fell a little short of their expectations. And also, it came in second place in China to a movie that's 20 years old. Uh, Interesting, yeah. So, (laughs) Spirited Away, which is a Studio Ghibli movie, uh, was released in theaters, a re release, I believe it was, and that came in first place. Uh, I can see that. I so, can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> now, people love this movie. Uh, audiences love it. 95% Rotten Tomato score from the audience. 98% from critics. Metacritic and 84, which is a really high score. So let's talk about what you guys thought about it. So, Danny, I'll, I'll go with you first since you're the guest today. What did you think of Toy Story 4? So I, I just told you before we jumped on here, I'm going to have some hot takes from this movie. Um, for me, so... Toy Story, I'm very passionate about Toy Story. As a kid, that was my sit down and shut up and watch this movie. Movie, Like, I I lived and breathed Toy Story, loved one, two, and three. Um, I guess I've always had hot takes because two was always my least favorite of that first trilogy, which people love. But so I went into four, like, when they said they were doing it, I was like, but why? Because Toy Story 3 had the absolute perfect ending to that trilogy um and they were bringing it back and reopening which i was like all right whatever i like toy story i'm not mad at it i can take more of it um but honestly like i was not thrilled with toy story 4 at all like that being said i mean i saw this on twitter like it's not an original thought or anything like an argument could be made for toy story as one of the best film franchises of all time just because of how like every movie is a freaking hit critically. And then of course the box office, but I feel like this one, the story was unnecessary. It didn't need to be told. Um, there's a lot of like emotional, like tugs that they kind of throw in there that I feel are like, well, we got to make people cry because it's toy story and it's what we do. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like there wasn't enough, like build up to some of these big emotional moments that I guess we'll jump into in spoilers later on. So that like, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I didn't hate it. It's not a, it's not a bad movie. I can definitely get why people like it. Some of, there's some really, really funny moments, and there are some, you know, heartfelt moments that do make sense and fit within the tone of the movie. Um, and there's good, like, you know, kind of melding of the character arcs for some specific characters. But it's for me, it's fine. I don't think it's like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes fine. Like, but it's <laughs> it, it, it's by, for me by far the weakest of the four. Uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. 
Um, Jessica, go ahead. No, nope. how about you go? Oh, you want me to go? Okay. Yeah. So I, th- just so I could uh, preface this, I had seen one and two, you know, obviously at the time of their releases. Part three, I didn't actually get around to until this past week. So what? I, yeah, exactly. I had, I didn't know about, well, okay. I did know about the emotional ending because everybody talked about it. So like I couldn't escape it, but I saw it. I, I loved it. I teared up, you know, at the end of part three, uh, now part four, uh, there was a bit of, like you said, Danny, there was, they were pulling at the heartstrings a bit here and there especially what happens near the end. And, you know, I did have a tear in my eye. Um, now. You were crying a lot. It was not a lot. Let's let's settle <laughs> down. Now, I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I think that the laughs are there. I think the comedy is there. I think um, it also has that secondary story where adults can relate to about, um, you know, serving your purpose or what else can you do in your life pretty much and this movie does touch on that quite a bit and it's a very good movie to say that it's the worst of the toy stories is not necessarily a bad thing if if we're going to go down that route Uh, i personally don't think it is i don't think it's the worst of the toy stories but even that said i think it's such a great franchise i think it's such so many of the all four movies are really great. So, uh, I still think it's a very good movie. I enjoyed myself. I think it finally got Hollywood out of the summer slump that it was in because boy, was it in a slump. And finally, we got a good movie to you know really talk about. So, those are my thoughts. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Jessica, now we turn to you. Bringing up the rear. So, <clears throat> Toy Story. Hmm. Well, I think that I kind of gave it away a little bit when the movie ended and the trailers were, ha- the trailers, the um, credits were rolling and you were wiping away tears. And I go, You liked it? And you were like, Yeah. And I go, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you said, Oh, we will talk about that. Because I was pretty bored um throughout the movie i kept waiting for it to get good oh and that's not that's not to say that there weren't like laughs or there weren't funny bits but it overall i've just felt like it didn't feel like a toy story movie to me Hmm, interesting uh it it very much felt like slapped on at the end and just a blatant cash grab and trying to insert a story that might be relevant to the kids who are now grown up and probably have kids of their own um, with Woody kind of, again, like trying to find his, his purpose and usefulness after he has, you know, served his purpose and served Andy as, as his number one toy. You know what I'm saying? And that, didn't need to be said. Um, I had the biggest hot take in the group text the other day, and I just want to reiterate it right now that I don't think any sequels are necessary. Right. We had this discussion that no sequels are necessary. No Even sequels if they're are good, they're I just don't not care. necessary. I don't care what it is. It could be Star Wars, Indiana Jones. The Dark Knight. Um, Dark Knight. I don't freaking care. It's unnecessary. 
totally unnecessary. That, uh, that is certainly is, a take. Yeah, it's a the biggest hot take ever because everyone's going to be like, well, what about this? And what about this? And Danny, you were doing that in the group text. Well, what about T2? And I'm like, y'all know about... Well, we already know you hate T2 and have no and soul, but... Exactly. What's that? Well, we already know that you hate T2 and have no soul, but... No, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I understand why people like T2, but at the same time, I'm like... I can't get through this movie to save my life. I think it is just background noise. We're straying away. Um, this is the biggest tangent, but all of this to say that Toy Story 4 is messy and unnecessary. And it's never more prevalent than like in this movie. Because to be honest, like I liked T2, TS2, and I loved... Um, Toy Story 3. And I remember going to see Toy Story 3 when I was in college with a bunch of friends of mine and every one of us like left the theater, our big group, just in tears because that ending was so emotional and was so relevant to us at the time. And I think that's always been the appeal of these Toy Story movies is that you can find some common ground um, in the first Toy Story, you're like, oh my God, it's talking toys. And you're more like Andy, the kid. And then you you graduate, right? Like uh, toward the end, Toy Story 3, you grew up on it and now it's time to put it away. You know? Yeah, I so think that- that's kind of where like, maybe, I mean, you're a few years ahead of me, but like, I feel like we grew up with Andy as Toy Story grew up. And that's where like maybe so much of that emotion was kind of built in like you know we grew up with these characters and then i feel like that's gone in toy story 4 like that's just not there yeah yeah exactly who are you gonna latch on to bonnie oh i got some hot takes on bonnie the parents forky no okay no title sport Wow, okay. Wow, so we um, are differing here quite a bit. I know, I know, and that's why I wanted to go last, because I agree. I thought Danny was going to love it, for sure. I was very surprised. I'm very surprised that we were on the same page with anything, let alone this, Toy Story. Exactly, because we never agree on anything. <laughs> we have the most opposite taste. And um, so this is a treat. This is a treat. Two on one. Let's this, go. This is a surprise. This this is a surprise here. Yep. Uh, let's let's dive in a little bit into the actual movie because, um, Danny, you mentioned that this could be considered one of the best franchises, and that's saying a lot. But I've seen that conversation quite a bit um, online. You're not alone in that sentiment. And yeah, I mean the numbers don't lie. I mean, the numbers alone, like you have Toy Story, the first Toy Story had a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. So did Toy Story 2. Toy Story 3 had a 98. Toy Story 4 had a 98. And also on top of that, you know, you have the box office numbers to back it up. Um, Like what other franchises can you like place next to it that have such a great track record all the way through? Lord of the Rings, if you're not including the Hobbit Hobbit movies, of course. Um, Those are trash. Let's not. Right. Of course. No, I, I understand <laughs> that. Um, you know, if you, if you there's talk not about many. there's not many, you have Indiana Jones, the first three. I, I mean, there's only three. So yeah. uh, I don't know why I threw in that caveat. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, so I, there's there's a few. There's a few, and it's a very tough conversation to have because it, it comes down to splitting hairs at some of those. But I think we can all agree that as a franchise, it could be regarded as one of the best. Can we agree on that or no? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that, Danny, I know you didn't really like this movie, but I think you had a main point, and maybe it's because we don't really get a focus on what we've grown up with. Yeah, like, and it's, that that point I was making was, like, you know, we watched it as a kid when Andy was a kid, and then, you know, Andy was, you know, 11, 12 years old, and then we got Toy Story 2, and then he's going off to college, and rather, you know, I was, I think at that point I was in the middle of high school, or I was getting ready to graduate, like, you know, like we grew up at that at those stages, so that wasn't there with this. But something else, as far as like that, the other Toy Story movies had that I felt this one lacked so much was we watched Toy Story or Brooke and I watched Toy Story one last night or the night before, and the side characters make that movie so great. The banter with Mr. Potato Head <laughs> is freaking hilarious. Yeah, favorite bits in any Toy Story movie is when he rearranges his face. He's like, "Hey, Ham, look, I'm Picasso." He's like, I don't get it. You uncultured swine. Like, that is brilliant. But yeah. you get none. I mean, although, you know, now that Don Rickles has passed on, they use some, like, archived um, recordings for him for this one. So, I mean, you don't have any of that. But even, you know, stuff that Rex used to do in the ham, like all these other side characters were there that made so much of this movie. Even Buzz played such, like, a you know, backseat role in Toy Story 4 that mm. I felt that was lacking a lot in this movie. Like, I love Buzz Lightyear. He's my favorite character in all of these. And, like, I, they made him stupid in this movie. Like, yeah. And on top of that, yeah, like you said, they sidelined most of the characters that we grew up with. And they center it around new characters. I understand why they did it. But I can see why some people, it would rub them the wrong way. Because, you know, you're used to... Obviously, Buzz Lightyear is a main mm-hmm. character. Like, it's 1A, 1B with Woody. And in this movie, he's not treated that way. He's treated as a side character. So yeah. I get that for sure. Now, I, I wanted to say something really quick about the box office because Disney expected one thing and they got another in terms of lower box office. Do you think it's because fans are just getting tired of sequels, franchises, there was trepidation even going into Toy Story 4, even though it got, you know, well-received reviews. I think that people are just tired of franchises and sequels. Do you think I'm wrong there in assessing it that way? Again, I think that Pixar has a really great leg up on creating original content, and instead they decided to do Toy Story 4. Exactly. I don't think it's that people are tired of franchises and sequels. I think this franchise did not need another sequel and it's just that was so apparent toy story 3 had such a clear this is the end and this it, it was this was an unnecessary sequel i'll disagree with jessica there not all sequels are unnecessary but this one was <laughs> Fair okay, enough. So half half agreement now yes. this movie did not come around and did not get made in a perfect fashion it wasn't all you know, sunshines and rainbows. There was some yes, drama. Yes, let's behind talk about the, the drama. Uh, Jessica, can you uh, inform us a little bit of what was going on behind the scenes for this movie? Gladly. Oh my God, let's do it. So, the director is. <laughs> you're laughing, but like I love this. So, Josh Cooley, 
is, um, I believe, a first time director. This is his like debut movie. And he was initially brought on to just co-direct with John Lasseter, who is like the backbone and foundation of Pixar, right? He was the creative mind behind pretty much everything and a driving force for the company. And John Lasseter directed the first two films, side note. So in July of 2017, Lasseter announced that he was stepping away from directing to focus on his executive responsibilities at Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. Then the allegations came out of sexual misconduct and he had to take a leave of absence. Then he finally left Pixar and Disney at the end of 2018. And all that's left of Lasseter in Toy Story 4 is a story credit because he, of course, created the original story. It's based on like his characters, right? Right. Um, further, after all this, um, Rashida Jones and Will McCormick were originally going to write the screenplay for Toy Story 4, and they bowed out of doing that, um, left the project in 2017 because they're citing philosophical differences, whatever that is. And that's, I think, feel like that's been kind of kept under wraps, but we all know that like philosophical differences, meaning John Lasseter and his misconduct and controversy. Because right. at the time, John Lasseter was still attached to the project. Right, exactly. So all this to say that I it, it was like the captain left, the, like just left the boat during production and Cooley had to like bring it home. And for a first time director, I think that's a big ask, especially for like such a, I think this movie had a lot of scale to it, you know, a lot of moving pieces and a it's of a technical, pieces. yeah. And it's a very technical sort of movie with all of the, everything, it's the entire thing, CGI, right? So I feel bad in saying that the movie did not meet anyone's expectations, nor was it wanted. Um, but the drama didn't help at all. No, and according to CNN, uh, she was interviewed about the process of leaving, and she is quoted in saying that uh, there is so much talent at Pixar. We remain enormous fans of their films, but it is also a culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice. So... That is part of why she left. Uh, there were allegations or there were rumors that supposedly uh, there may have been advances made on Rashida Jones, but she denied those. She said that that was not the case. So uh, not exactly the greatest uh, behind the scenes on a movie that a lot of people will tell you was not necessary to make. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just wanted to share on that, that note, not to get too dark. <laughs> For people. Not to get too dark, but like on that note where she's saying like, oh, Pixar is like in the Stone Age. Um, I read something that like a team of female animators was put in place to deal exclusively with Bo Peep. And um, to that nail like all of her. Yeah, like all of her motions and movements and stuff. So do you, you read the same thing? 
Yes, I did. Like they brought her in to or brought them in so they can like really focus on the character and how they would move and how they would uh, how their eyes would move and everything mm-hmm. like that. So it's an interesting um, I guess it's too dichotomy. little too late, right? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It's, You're going to bring be- enough team of female animators to to animate a female character like that seems like common sense to me, but. I guess it's like a, a overcorrection. I guess it is, but in the, I mean, in the we'll wake see. of like this drama, right? We'll see what happens going forward. Now that you know Lassiter's out of the picture, we'll see if there is more of a, you know, people trying at least at Pixar to make it a more inclusive, more diverse type of voices being spoken because Disney Animation on their end has definitely worked towards it. Like you see it stuff like Moana, you see it in stuff like Coco. Um, Well, Coco's from Pixar even. So like there's, they're moving towards it. They're working on it. They're working on it. And so hopefully going forward, we'll see more of a diversity and more of a voice there. Now, going back into Toy Story 4, I wanted to go ahead and get everyone's ratings uh, because obviously we saw this movie. We always grade these movies on a scale of one to five. So uh, go ahead, Danny. If you had to give this a score from one to five, what are you giving it? So like, I've been like teetering back and forth on this. I, it's at like a solid three for me. Like yeah, I I didn't hate it. It's an enjoyable movie. Like did I love it? No. But do I want to run to go see it again? Also no. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I put it like a three, which it sucks. It hurts. Again, I love Toy Story so much. Like, I hate that I don't like this movie that much. But yeah, that, that's where it's at. How about you, Jessica? With arms crossed and like a big shrug, I give it three and a half. Okay. Um, <laughs> basically, same spiel as Danny, because did I enjoy pieces of this movie? Certainly, was it. Um, super mediocre. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, did it make me dislike some characters that I absolutely adore and like grew up on? Yeah, a little bit. I think so. I think they did the characters a disservice. Um, but so even, even so, I think it's really pretty movie. Um, very like the animation has come so far from Toy Story one. And so, yeah, so I think that deserves some recognition and some of the new talent, um, was was not bad valiant valiant effort so three and a half okay uh so <laughs> i so sh- like i share like, in common oh uh with the majority of people who rated the movie through letterbox the average score was a 4.1 and i gave it a four i think that it is funny i think that the message that it delivers i'm not gonna say that it is unnecessary because i think that you could have stopped at three, but I think the story that they chose to tell of a protagonist who has kind of outlived his purpose and is finding a way to live in a new world was pretty interesting. I, I found it interesting and uh, the way they pull at the heartstrings, which we'll definitely get into uh, what they do in the story, what they choose to do. So, But yeah, I gave it a four. I, I really enjoyed the movie, so... Right after this, 
We're going to go ahead and dive into the new characters, uh, what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, apparently. And we'll go ahead and talk about some of the things we caught on, like some of the Easter eggs, and obviously what are our favorite scenes, favorite moments, and other superlatives. And we'll get into that right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about maybe some of the things we liked. Some of the things we didn't like, which it sounds like we're going to be leaning towards here in this in this <laughs> section here. So uh, I will let uh, Jessica start us off here. Um, Let's do it. I think you may want to start with maybe some of the things you didn't like or maybe some of the things that maybe we're missing that we didn't okay, get. So, okay. So what has preceded pretty much every Pixar movie ever made? A Pixar short. Did this movie have a Pixar short? No, it did not. No, it didn't. What the hell? What the actual hell? <laughs> I was looking forward to watching the Pixar short, and I can't explain like this feeling that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get to watch another Pixar short. I have my favorites. Last year, Bao won an Oscar for for that Pixar short, which ended up being at the beginning of Pic- Incredibles 2. And like they're always super high quality, and they're lots of fun. Listen, this movie went straight into the movie, did not have a Pixar short. That's the first time that's happened since like 1995 or 1998. I am still really upset about it. Um, It's something that I've come to expect from every Pixar movie as much as, you know, a relatively good movie. (laughs) Um, How did you guys feel about that? Were you guys like, well, okay, whatever. Or were you just like, hold on. Uh, this doesn't feel right. I was kind of whatever, but we defer there where you're you like look forward to them. Usually I I go into it like ah oh, crap, got to sit through this before the movie starts. But I don't remember a Pixar short I've like come out of and not thoroughly enjoyed. So, except for the 20 minute one ahead of Coco. Well, that wasn't Pixar. That was Frozen. That was a fr- But that was excessive. That was ex- that was 20 minutes of my life. Yeah, I wanted to fight someone after that one. That was <laughs> I don't hate on Frozen. I really liked that movie. But yeah, that was a lot. Too much. Okay, so no Pixar short. Um, uh, for me, okay. I, I kind of missed it because of the fact that we are so accustomed to watching one before. Mm-hmm. So it when you're watching, when you go to watch a Pixar movie, there's this thing of like, I know something is coming before the movie. So you get ready in your mind. But, you know, when you see the you know disney castle and then you see the pixar logo and then the movie starts it's like yeah, yeah exactly like we're missing something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the feeling all right so now let's dive in okay. to the movie now okay. so i think the trailer kind of gave it away right what the overall premise of this of the plot was is that um bonnie created a new toy out of a spork and it's called forky and Forky is basically trying to escape uh, the whole time. Literally the whole time. He's trying to go back to the trash can because he fully believes he's trash, which he is. But whatever. He came to life as a um, toy. So 
I want to talk about that because today I was having a conversation with my coworker, Jordy, and she was like, I didn't like how they didn't discuss the central crisis. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, they don't explain why he came to life in the first place. They don't bother to discuss this like concept, this central existential crisis and this like logistics issue. Like what makes a toy a toy? That's an interesting question. And then to that end, the movie made fun of that question and the plot hole with how does Porky and eventually Knifey come to life at the end when Knifey and Forky are talking and the knife goes, why am I alive? And Forky just goes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. L- legit. I saw some people debating it online. They said, like, you know, what made Forky the toy is when Bonnie wrote her name on the bottom, like on the bottom of his feet, like that that was like it. But but all toys, whether they have the name on the bottom and are claimed are alive like so again like that yeah I, yeah no. so that's just what i've heard people saying okay do you think it's based basically that anything that could be considered a toy can manifest itself into life maybe that's what it is if i paint Go- um, if i put googly eyes and a smiley face and write my name on the bottom of a trash can that makes it a toy i don't know I, do you understand I'm just like why the logic why but i get are it we watching a spork and a knife talk to each other when you haven't really told us like why what is the magic that makes them suddenly animate Fair enough. They set the rules early, right? In the 90s, they were like, every toy is actually alive. It's living. It's a ruse. They they are pretending to be dead, inanimate, when you are playing with them. And as soon as you leave the room, they come to life. Right. It's all a ruse. You you are right about that. But what what makes Sporky and Knifey special? What the hell? Why is Sporky alive what makes him a toy and yeah you could say oh it's because bonnie wrote her name on the bottom and like claimed him and like suddenly he comes to life but i don't know would you consider like a coloring book a toy like you know what i'm saying (laughs) like well i could consider a lamp a toy and so by that logic it should come to life right right I gotcha. I, I see what you're saying. So I guess that part wasn't clearly defined. I, I get it. Um, it. It's a question that I don't have an answer for, just like Forky doesn't have an answer for it either. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, they tried I mean, to make a joke is out it of really it. Here but... To, right. But is it really here to try to even answer that question, though? I don't think they're trying to. And I think like like you said, right. I mean. They're they're literally poking fun at it. Like they're like even they're like, well, crap. I don't know. Like whatever. It's a to- it's a, it's a toy now. Like don't ask questions. Like I I, I, think I mean that's as- that that's not an issue I had with the movie. Like that's like such like a minor thing. I was like, oh well, whatever. Sure, why not? Then let us know what what was something that that you didn't like about the movie, Danny. Um, what didn't I like about the movie? 
How, how long are we? How long are we going on this? Um, okay, let's. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's trim it down. I, so, there are some of the new characters that I really like. I loved Forky. I thought him as a character was hilarious. I thought also like we met, we touched on the animation. The animation on Forky was freaking beautiful. Like it looked like photorealistic. Like it was crazy. I mean, they did that with a lot of the other characters too. Like you could see like stitches from when Woody lost his arm, and like you'd say little like scratches on Buzz because he's been played with for twenty something years now. But like so. That, but some of the new characters, like I, I did not like or sympathize with Gabby Gabby at mm-hmm. all. I yeah. did not. I, mm. I didn't see the hype with Duke Kaboom. I think that it's Keanu season right now, so everyone's losing their crap over Keanu Reeves. But like, I For didn't think season. he was that great. What? For good reason. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm down with Keanu Reeves. I just didn't think that Duke Kaboom was that great of a character. Um, like that I, I mentioned a little bit of well so I didn't like the you know the characters that we've come to like know and love totally took like they they were in the trunk it wasn't even the back seat they were barely there um <laughs> it's just it, I, I think I've said what I don't like about it it's unnecessary and it's again again I mean disagreeing with Rico like I don't think this story needed to be told like feel like the whole movie's kind of a little bit of a stretch. It feels like they took those like Toy Story short films they've been making over the last few years and stretched one to an hour and a half. Ooh. Wow. Okay. I would definitely not go that far for sure. But... Okay, so I agree okay. with your assessment of Gabby Gabby, which shoot me in the foot. Like it's four so Gabby Gabby four syllables. <laughs> Why is the name <laughs> twice? Like I, I don't know. It's just annoying my OCD. And um, I thought the pacing of the movie was awful. Really? Okay. So do you you think that it dragged in certain points? There was no sense of urgency. Absolutely. I thought it dragged. When they get into the antique shop, I was like not impressed and just waiting again for it to pick up. Um, Again, why Woody goes by himself versus him going with Buzz? Uh, it's like you're splitting up the dream team here. Um, I think that was more to make the statement of Woody is trying to find his purpose right now. So he felt like he had to do it on his own. Well, I also think that the movie was trying to make a statement that in Bonnie's room, to- Woody is not the boss. He's not the number one toy and he's not the um, enforcer. The doll, I don't, I don't What kind of doll was that? I, don't, I didn't even recognize it. It wasn't a Raggedy Ann doll, but that doll was a female yeah. doll, number one, Dolly the doll, um, was in charge. And I don't know if that played into the concept that he was emasculated or if I he mean, just didn't of. have a purpose. I would say it's that. It's, he okay, didn't well, have I'm a speaking to two guys as well who are going to like fight the idea that he, Woody might have felt emasculated, but no. he seemed to take I it pretty he well. He was like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. You know, you take you take it. Because um, she was giving instructions and stuff, and knew Bonnie better than Woody did. Woody did, yeah. On Bonnie, really quick, yeah. that was something I hated in this movie. I hate Bonnie from Toy Story <laughs> Three. I have hated Bonnie. She is an ungrateful little brat. Like we did not sit through so long, partner, 
for Woody to be thrown in a closet and for her to not realize that he's even gone. Like, what the F is that crap? Like, she is a garbage child. Okay. Okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, because in Toy Story 3, there was this big moment where Andy gives Bonnie the toys, right? Yeah, and, like, he's brave, like all cowboys should be, and he'll always be there for you. Tosses him in the closet. (laughs) I hate her. I hate her so much. It was so it was so of the times as well that she's deciding to play with Jesse the cowgirl and taking Woody's sheriff badge and putting it on Jesse and calling her the sheriff and whatever else. It just felt very of the times. You know what I'm saying? So, but are we are we going to at that point, you know, take away points from the movie because it is now trying to associate itself with this time period? Or no, because they did a whole thing with Bo Peep, and I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, like, it, absolutely. I love what they did with Bo Peep. Oh, okay. Let's talk about okay. that. Okay, <laughs> okay. I think I think Bo Peep is a very well done, fully realized character in this movie. Um, has decided like they make her in like they give her her own character arc. They give her an entire backstory. That's not yeah, just like the that damsel whole thing where she got donated. Okay. Yeah, they pretty okay. much did. Uh, but they went ahead and they, you know, gave her a, an entire story where it's not just that she is in love with Woody and that's it. You know, it's not like one of those damsel in distress types. Like they completely changed her, but the, for the better. I, I think it was a very a great job that they did having her be such a formidable person to to talk to to deal with because of everything that she's seen everything that she's dealt with she's a lost toy which means that you know she doesn't get played with anymore and they left her behind and now she doesn't have an owner so but i thought all of that was very well done and um that entire aspect of the lost toy versus having an owner was an interesting aspect at least I to mean, me lady in the tramp did uh, it so <laughs> all right now uh re- let's go ahead and let's talk about really fast some of the new characters and we'll go ahead and we'll use this as a way of doing one of our superlatives which is uh best new character what was was there any characters that were new that you really enjoyed uh we're gonna kind of leave bo peep out of this only because of the fact that we've had bo peep before i'm talking about completely new Characters. Ducky and Bunny. Ducky and Bunny for you? Absolutely. Because, like... Voiced by uh, Key and Peele. They, they were there. They weren't super essential to the plot. They were just there to be funny, and it was awesome. They fit. It was, like, so good. Very, I really enjoyed uh, Duck and Bunny. Uh, Duke Kaboom was fun. Um, he was fun. I would, um, I would agree with... Danny, he's fine. I, I I think there was a lot of funny things that the he said. The marketing made me think that he was going to be in this movie a lot more than he was. Yeah. And that's my well, main it's issue. it's Keanu season. It's open it's season Keanu on season. Keanu. That's why. Right, exactly. And so that's why. So that's why. why. But that's really I truly thought that Duke Kaboom was going to be, you know, as maybe as important as Ducky and Bunny were. Right. And he wasn't. He was... 
And he was just there for like, I don't know, three minutes the most. Right. Yeah, it's not a very long time. Now, before we get into a couple of other like categories that we usually have, and by the way, I'm going to spring this on you guys now so it gives you time to kind of think, like, what would you put as your three favorite oh Pixar God, movies? Stop. I don't think... I don't think this is going to be in your top three for either one of you. Mm, let me think. Uh, but I just want to put that in the I back of your head. But before we get Pixar into that. I have ever have been. So keep going. So let's talk about Easter eggs. Because Pixar movies are known for dropping little hints of movies oh, from yes. you know other Pixar movies. Uh, the first one, and this is one that I saw online. I can't take credit for this one. But Duke Kaboom, we've already seen him. He was in Incredibles 2. He was the doll that was in Jack-Jack's playpen in Incredibles 2. And by the way, he did not have a cape because what is Edna Mole's rule? No cape. <gasps> oh my God, how cute. That's great. So that was great. Now, in this movie, and uh, there's so many because you have the grape soda, the bottle cap from Up. Um, now, Danny, if you could, because... Most of them take place in the antique shop. Can you run down like some of the stuff that is from other Pixar movies for us? Yeah. So the it, there's actually a lot in the antique shop. Only one of these I actually caught watching. The rest of them I found online. The one I caught was the Monsters University pendant that was actually up in the rafters, which I think you see when Woody and Duke Kaboom are going to make the jump like across the cabinets, which... That one kind of opens up like the implications of Pixar theory. Like, why is there a Monsters U pendant in an antique shop in the human world? But whatever. Um, then there was the painting of the dogs playing poker from Up was in there somewhere. You have Bing Bong's <laughs> rocket from Inside Out. There's some carving of a bear from Brave. Um, there's a bunch of film reels that have like the names of various uh, Pixar short films. Like I think Piper is one of them. I think Tin Toy is one of them. Um, Tin Toy, the actual like the little guy with the drum, he actually shows up in the club where they go and find Duke Kaboom. Yeah, I mentioned that one when we were watching. I was like, I think he's from something. <laughs> then like there's a bunch of old records, and you see one from Ernesto de la Cruz from uh Coco, no. the last cycle from The Incredibles, because I guess they're trying to, you know, assume the Incredibles were superheroes in their time in this like meta 60s era they lived in, so there were <laughs> toys of these superheroes. And then one of like the lower key ones that I thought was really cool was like behind the counter of the old lady that ran the shop. There's a picture of Jerry from Jerry's Game, which I think was the short that came before A Bug's Life. So like, oh, the the oof. the chess one. Oh, I love that one. Okay, wait. So was she married to that's Jerry? I don't know. I think that's what's kind of like left to the imagination. But that's kind of cool if that's the case. Um, there's that. Then also on the prize wall where Buzz gets strapped in and he meets Ducky and Bunny. Um, there's a guitar that looks like uh, Ernesto's guitar from Coco. Huh. One of the cooler ones I noticed, which this is a cool thing. So like I was super into like the behind the scenes and like Toy Story 3 was made and the director was Lee Unkrich, who takes a lot of his like inspiration from uh, Stanley Kubrick. So he's a huge huh. shining guy. So there's that. And I mean, it goes all the way back to the first Toy Story. I think he worked on that early on too. Like the carpet in Sid's house, I think it is very similar to the carpet in the hotel in The Ooh. Shining. Um, but when you, I think it's when you first meet Gabby Gabby or one of the scenes where she comes on, like there's a song that's playing on the record player that is like not like sounds like 
something from The Shining. Like it's legit pulled straight from that movie, so it has like that like what? creepy feel. Yeah, I thought it yeah, sounded familiar. You... Yeah, like yes, it's like that Twilight Zone elevator music. Yeah, but they've done that since the beginning. Sid's house in Toy Story was uh, the number was two three seven. So like, there's oh, there's oh, tons of Shining references throughout what? all the story. It's great. Yeah. You just blew my mind. <laughs> the more you know. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So those are all of the many, many uh, different types of found. Easter eggs. And there's yeah. probably a bunch. Exactly. There's probably a bunch that we don't know about because there's so many throughout. Now, uh, let's talk about the end of this movie because something major happens and it is that Woody decides to split from the group. He decides to say goodbye to Buzz Lightyear, his best friend for all these years, and he decides to go off with Bonnie. Not what Bonnie, women will do Bo, to you. Bo Peep. Yeah, Bo, here, sorry. Here's how Bo that scene Peep. played out for me. I see Woody saying bye to Bo. He goes to go with the rest of the group to jump onto the awning of the, the RV that they've got. He goes to Buzz, and they just share a moment. And Buzz is like, she'll be okay. And I was like, oh, F, he's not talking about Bo Peep. <laughs> and yeah, and then I see him turn around and ugh, I, I made it through 99% of this movie without tearing up. And that was the moment that got me. And I was so mad it did because it's bull crap. But anyways, everything about Toy Story I has liked been it. friendship. It's, all, it's been Buzz and Woody hated each other. Now they're best friends. They've always got their back. They do everything together. Right. And now, you know what? Right. Bo's back in my life. Go after yourself. Like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like it because bros before hoes? I didn't like it because, like, <laughs> it, it crapped on everything it's built before. This was, like, last few episodes of Game of Thrones crapping on everything you've built before. <laughs> Whoa. I don't think it's that bad. And besides, um, I've told Jessica this concerning something. Love makes you do stupid things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, he decided to turn his back on his best friend for years for Let me just say woman. this. Yeah, he did it for Bo. However, I didn't buy their love. No, no, I didn't. How about that? That was, so, that was my biggest gripe with that part. Right. It's like they get reunited, but like there was no like relationship for us to call back on. They retconned their part, the, their um separation. And I guess that's what we're supposed to like look back on and be like, ooh, yeah, they they got separated. But now they're back together. It's fate. They need to stay together. No, it's more like, I guess. <laughs> Fine. But it wasn't so much that I was like, these are, these toys are inseparable. They need to be together. It was always kind of hush-hush. She was super flirty with um, Woody and kind of like a femme fatale, but she was a shepherdess. It was like a nice contrast, right? And um, now she's like this kick-ass toy that doesn't need no owner and but she wants Woody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get you. I know what you're saying. 
it didn't it didn't quite fit to me because Woody's primary directive was always the kid. Yeah, always. And Bo apparently has shed that directive and is now living for herself and just wants to be free and travel the world with a traveling what is that? Not even a circus. It was like a carnival or whatever. A carnival. So I don't know why like they need to be together, to be honest. Fair enough. Yeah, like I felt like it that's what I said in the beginning. It was they made an emotional moment for the sake of having one. Like like Toy Story Three earned those freaking tears at the end of that movie. Preach, yes. Like it earned that. Between having the toys almost die in the fire and all them holding hands and then like oh, Andy just going through all the toys as he's hand giving them to Bonnie. Like and then like Woody and So Long Partner as Andy's driving away in the van. Like it Ugh Culmination. It felt so forced. Like they had to put an end point in that was gonna, you know, pull at people's heartstrings for the sake of having one. Like it 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 felt like I felt manipulated that I teared up at the end there. Absolutely. This is not real. Like Yeah, I agree with you completely. It felt like they were speaking like in whispers the whole movie and then all of a sudden they were screaming at us. Yeah. And that that's what that ending felt like. Wow. Especially I started tearing up when the um when Gabby Gabby left with the lost little girl. Yeah. That's when I was like, "Oh god. This is too much." Because they manufactured that. Yeah. I didn't give a shit about Gabby. I thought she was evil. Oh, that's another thing. That shift from her being evil to not, or like Woody just kind of giving in and doing what she wants, was there was no gradual like incline into that. Like, I I think she was a garbage villain as far as not that Toy Story has always had like a clear like. This is the antagonist. I feel like this is the first time that they've gone head on. Are you on kidding? As, like, Sid was the villain. devil. I don't think Sid was the main antagonist of Toy Story. Okay. The I main antagonist of Toy Story was Woody's ego. Yeah. Oh, oh we're getting deep okay. over here. Okay. Sid, Sid was a nuisance. He was an obstacle. But he was not the main antagonist. Okay. Uh, Stinky Pete in Toy Story 2 was kind <laughs> of. But it, I... It was, I guess, it was more Al at that point, and then it's just my point being they've never made it really obvious who the villain is in these movies until like you watch them. Same thing with Lotso in Toy Story three. This one, it was clear from the beginning she was going to be the villain, and then that ended up not being the total case at the end, and there was no build up to that. Like it just happened. I think we're going to forget that she blackmailed him. He was like, "Give me Forky, and then you can you can take." My voice box. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's blackmail. <laughs> yeah, but then they're acting like best friends afterwards. No, yeah. They have a heart-to-heart. I think it's like, because this movie does something different than the other movies did, and it's like it presents you with the mirage of a villain at the beginning. Uh, you're supposed to think that Gabby Gabby is the villain, and even to some extent not like her, because of what she wants from Woody. But I think you start to sympathize as the movie goes of what her intentions are. Her intentions are not 
just to be evil for the sake of being evil. She is there for the fact that she wants what Woody has, what all these She's other the toys She's the mob have. boss of the antique store, Rico. She is. No, And don't get me None wrong, None of the other is. toys go out on the shelf. And they were like, who's stupid enough to go walking in the aisle? That's because she's there. <laughs> That's her domain. Yeah, her, her domain that she has made for so many years because she is looking for she's a rotten. particular thing. She is looking for love from a child, something that she has never had. She explains it that she be, she came defective. So her voice box didn't work from the very beginning. So she she has a clear goal. I'm not saying that you have to agree that you know, if you don't like the villain, that's fine. I get it. But I understand how they presented her as a villain at first. But they made you realize that she has an intention that is not necessarily evil. It's more that she has a want. She has something that our protagonists have. And it's not that obviously she's she going to try to take it away. Rico. I'm sorry? She took it by force. I feel like you're trying to justify her, like, being a selfish tyrant. I think the movie does is. that without me having to explain it. This movie does it on its own. This movie justifies... It does. She sucks. <laughs> okay, that's fine, but her. this movie does that. <laughs> this movie actually, like, tries to justify her in the end, in what she wants, and actually try to get us to sympathize with what she wants. And it gets our protagonist to sympathize with her. So she's not just flat out evil for evil's sake. Yeah, she's presented at the beginning as evil, but they do something to change that as the story goes on. But I understand you guys didn't really like her. I thought she was fine. I, I didn't think she was like a great villain or anything, but I, I understood what they were doing there. I feel bad for the child that she imprinted on and then the child picks up a doll and had to go through the trouble of like hearing her stupid ass voice and then still going, nah, I don't want this doll. Oh. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> the doll itself is so dated. Like who, who was, who was she kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Who is she kidding? All right, let's let's get into the final part <laughs> of the show here. Uh, let's talk about really quick. Let's try to end on the high note if we can. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments? Whether it's a scene, whether it's a line, anything that you you actually did like in the movie. Rex, the panic is attacking me. <laughs> that's hilarious uh, that's a good one that was great um, Another, or I think my favorite scene in the whole movie is when Woody finds Forky after he flies out of the moving <laughs> RV and they're walking back and Woody's basically telling him all about Andy and Forky's like wow so he just came in and Andy didn't want anything to do with you at all so That does, he does sound obnoxious and Woody's like right like basically <laughs> retelling all the story of everything that's happened to them, like just the two of them. I thought that was so great. Um, and then just seeing like Woody's frustration and Forky's like still not getting what it means to be a toy. Um, that, 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 that's the standout for me. I like the montage in the beginning. Um, 
where you see kind of like them with Andy growing up and then there's like little clips of like that last scene from Toy Story 3 and then transitioning them into Bonnie's room um but everything I liked about this movie came from the movies that came before it let me put it that way gotcha I love the the um what's it called Ducky and Bunny describing the plan of what they could do so there was like the plush (laughs) attack and then there was the second one but then the third one just had me dying and it's like they're explaining like the grandma's ride home she gets there she's like having wine in a bath and then they're like interrupting like no no let him get there and then finally at the end they come like menacing over her bed and then the camera shows the outside of her house and her screaming and i was dying because i thought that was hilarious i know it's my turn to speak but i really don't have like you a don't have one scene, no. <laughs> fantastic of course I'm sorry. oh sorry uh one moment that i laughed but also felt some sympathy was when the action rangers all were getting high fives except the third one Oh, and they yes. kept left leaving them hanging. The combat Carl's voiced by Carl Weathers. Yes. What? Fantastic. Fantastic. They yes. were voiced by Carl Weathers. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't know that. That was great. Oh, that was good. I can't remember who it was. There's some weird characters in the beginning. It's like the old like baby toys that are in the closet with Woody. That yeah. are voice. One of them is Mel Brooks. Of course. There's what? Like two, yeah, there's two others. Is it the clock? People. No, no, no. The clock was in Toy Story 3, I think. Oh, It was it... like a lion and a giraffe or something. Oh, yeah, but, I saw those. But they were voiced by two other famous people, and their names in the movie were like puns on their real names. I can't remember who it was, but I know Mel Brooks <laughs> was one of them. Oh, man. But, um, I did like, I know, yeah, you guys... I think it was a little bit manipulative, but I like... Say that one more time. You want to try that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those words that I have a tough time with. Is it manipulative? That's the one. The word? That is the one. <laughs> and The word is being manipulative. <laughs> but it's the moment <laughs> that after uh, Woody and Buzz and the group, they split off and the IRV is driving off. And then Woody, uh, oh no, Buzz starts to infinity and Woody finishes with and beyond. Oh, that's just rude. Oh, yeah, it was totally rude. How did they know they were saying that at the same time? Get the heck out of here. (laughs) Garbage. It's manipulative. I'm alone on this one. Wow. Okay. Uh, Anything else? I hate that you're alone on this one. I wanted to love this movie, but I can't. (laughs) All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Any final thoughts? Anything else um, on this kind of surprising episode? Uh, Were we talking top three Pixar movies? Yeah, really quick. uh, I know this movie will not be in it. Spoiler alert. It's not in mine either. Uh, Danny, I'll let you go first because I know like you definitely have like your favorites and you know them definitely off the top of your head. So I'll let you go first. So the good dinosaur, Cars <laughs> Two, <laughs> at the hard bottom of my list. Um, no, for me, my number one is Toy Story, absolutely a hundred percent. And may, again, maybe it's the kid eyes that like I'm watching it through, and like how like I remember that from my childhood. But I, 
I mean, again, I watched it the other day, and that movie totally holds up. It's fantastic. So, Toy Story, um, I think the most underrated Pixar movie, period, A Bug's Life, is my number two. They come, they eat, they leave. <laughs> First rule of leadership, everything's your fault. I live by that, and I learned it from a cartoon grasshopper. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. My last one is where I fluctuate. Like, I want to throw Toy Story 3 in there, but I always, but I also really, really like Coco. But Coco is not super rewatchable for me, so I guess... You know, I'll throw Monsters, Inc. Ooh, yeah. Good choice. There we go. Oh, Toy Story, Bugs Life, Monsters, Inc. Uh, Jessica, how about you? You want my top three? Yeah, your three. Your three favorites uh, out of the Pixar bunch. Uh, okay, Cars it's 2 Toy is definitely Story. in there, right? <laughs> What? <laughs> uh, it, go ahead. I didn't hear what you said, but it's okay. Toy Story is number one. Wally is number two, and then The Incredibles is number three. All right. I can't get through Wally. That's fine. It's really sophisticated, and not a lot of people can get through it. <laughs> oh God! Um, it's for a certain type of person. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I really like Wally. I think it's really smart and clever, and um, I like it a lot. I could easily exchange Wally in my number two spot for Monsters Inc. I think that's that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant movie. Yeah, no, I so. actually have to share that number three for me is Monsters Inc. So it's, I thought it was so clever and it's it's very rewatchable. At least for me, it is. Put that uh, thing back where it came from. I'm so happy. <laughs> so happy. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, number two, even though I just recently we uh, you know watched it, it was Toy Story three. I think. Holy crap! It is amazingly done. I no, think it's it up is there for me. It's hilarious, and of course, it pulls at emotions. Everything is earned, just like you guys were saying. Uh, yeah, it's it's incredible what that movie was. And number one for me is The Incredibles. I think that that movie is like from from start to finish is just fantastic. I love um, not only the aspect of superheroes, but I think that the old like 1960s, 1950s vibe really works that music, so well. Though. Oh, the music by Michael Giacchino yeah. is something else. Uh, that alone is fantastic and i will never ever get a kick more of a kick than when (laughs) oh man it's when dash is running on water he realizes he's running on water and then he does like this cackling laugh and just runs even faster i love it every single time it I is, love Edna Mode. Oh yeah, Edna Mode is every year. I feel more of a connection toward Edna, <laughs> Edna Mode, and I just feel like one day I'm just chop gonna chop my hair and get those Harry Potter glasses and go full Edna <laughs> Mode on everybody because she's like my spirit animal at this point. So that will wrap us up. I think that this has been a very enlightening episode. It was a fun one. I think we went to infinity and beyond. Get out. (laughs) And on that note, I want to thank you guys for listening to this review of Toy Story 4. Once again, 
Subscribe to our podcast, review it, follow us on social networks, social media networks, at Always Critic Pod, and tune in next week where we will be talking about Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle film. Uh, until then, I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always a Critic Podcast. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. <laughs> <laughs>